السلام عليكم ورحمة الله وبركاته إن الحمد لله نحمده ونستعينه ونستغفره ونعوذ بالله من شرور أنفسنا ومن سيئات أعمالنا من يهده الله فلا مضل له ومن يدلل فلا هادي له وأشهد أن لا إله إلا الله وحده لا شريك له وأشهد أن سيدنا محمدا عبده ورسوله يا أيها الذين آمنوا اتقوا الله حق تقاتي ولا تموتن إلا وأنتم مسلمون يا أيها الناس اتقوا ربكم الذي خلقكم من نفس واحدة وخلق منها زوجها وخلق منها زوجها وبث منهما رجالا كثيرا ونساء واتقوا الله الذي تساءلون به والأرحام إن الله كان عليكم رقيبا يا أيها الذين آمنوا اتقوا الله وقولوا قولا سديدا يصلح لكم أعمالكم ويغفر لكم ذنوبكم ومن يتع الله ورسوله فقد فاز فوزا عظيما فإن أصدق الحديث كتاب الله تعالى وخير الهدي هدي محمد صلى الله عليه وسلم وشر الأمور محتثاتها وكل محتثة بدعة وكل بدعة ضلالة وكل ضلالة في النار All praise and thanks is due to Allah عز وجل Peace and salutations upon Muhammad صلى الله عليه وسلم his family, his friends, and upon all those who try to emulate him until the end of time. Before we start, we hope that the sound is better online, and we apologize for the sound that was not good in the previous session. Taib. So, the first question that might come up is, what is the reason or why are we speaking about this topic? And my topic is the Ahlul Bayt, the family of the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam in the light of Quran and Sunnah or rather with regards to Ahlu Sunnah wal Jama'ah. And as the talk goes on, inshallah it will become clearer why we've chosen this topic or this specific topic of Ahlul Bayt and Ahlu Sunnah wal Jama'ah during this month of Muharram. And this brings me to the next point, and that is. Why this time of the year? So we started last night and I spoke about the virtues of the month of Muharram in light of Quran and Sunnah. And then our colleague and our friend Sheikh Rida, he spoke about the virtues of the companions. And tonight he spoke about the misconceptions that people has regarding the companions of Muhammad Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. So during the month of Muharram and especially amongst the Shia fraternity, they tend to speak about an event that was touched on by myself quite briefly last night. And that is the martyrdom of Hussein radiallahu So from the first of Muharram until the tenth of Muharram, they have what is called majalis. They have what is called majlis, is the singular, which means sittings. And what they do during the sittings is that they mourn and they relate stories about what happened at this event known on the plains of Karbala. And after the leader speaks for however long he speaks, then afterwards they would read some poetry that the scholars have written. And then afterwards they would have something 
what is called يعني, like matam or something where they basically so what we've seen in Cape Town is that they would stand and one of the leaders would read something and they would basically slap their chest in other parts of the world they don't just stand and slap their chest with their hand but they would take a blade and they would start beating themselves and this was touched on last night when I spoke about the Tawabun and during these talks also they would highlight and they would fabricate certain stories where Ahlu Sunnah wal Jamaah basically in their eyes has issues with the Ahlul Bayt and they accuse us of Ahlu Sunnah wal Jamaah as not loving the Ahlul Bayt of the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam so these are just some of the reasons why we've decided to speak about the Ahlul Bayt this year as well so this obviously brings me to the next question and that is who are the Ahlul Bayt? who are they? and the first point that I would like to highlight is the following that the Ahlul Bayt the family of Muhammad Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam they are those that cannot accept Sadaqah they cannot accept charity so that's the first point they are the messengers sallallahu alayhi wasallam's wives they are his offspring every believing male and female that is from the lineage of abu or abu muttalib and again i'm going to emphasize and we will see this as the talk moves on that part of the Ahlul Bayt is the wives of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam. Abdul Muttalib ibn Rabi'ah ibn Al-Harith he narrates that the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam said inna sadaqata la tanbaghi li'ali Muhammad إِنَّمَا هِيَ أَوْسَاهُ النَّاسِ He says that indeed the sadaqah ought not to be given to the family of Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam it will be like giving them from the impurities of the people in another narration وفي رواية وإنها لا تحل لمحمد ولا آل محمد In this narration it says that it is not lawful for Muhammad صلى الله عليه وسلم or the family of Muhammad صلى الله عليه وسلم to get صدقة and this is narrated or found in the Sahih of Imam Muslim Rahimallahu Ta'ala So what about the wives of the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala says وَقَرْنَ فِي بُيُوتِكُنَّ وَلَا تَبَرَّجْنَ تَبَرُّجَ الْجَاهِلِيَّةِ الْأُولَى وَأَقِمْنَ الصَّلَاةِ وَآتِينَ الزَّكَاةِ وَأَطَعْنَ اللَّهَ وَرَسُولَهُ So Allah says وَآتِينَ الزَّكَاةَ وَأَطِعْنَ اللَّهَ وَرَسُولَهُ And stay in your homes and do not display yourselves like that of the times of jahiliyyah of ignorance and perform the salah establish your salah and give zakah and obey Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and his message innama yuridu allahu liyudhiba ankum murijasa ahla albayti wa yutahhirakum tawthira 
See what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says now. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala only wishes that you remove the ridges, this evil deeds and sin from you, O members of the family of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam, and to purify you with a thorough purification. Now I would like to highlight something here which is extremely important. So if you look at the seerah, if you look at this verse, who is Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala speaking about? As we will see a bit later. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is speaking about who? The wives of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. So how is it that Allah speaks about the wives of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, but when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala comes to the part of the verse, إِنَّمَا يُرِيدُ اللَّهُ لِيُذْهِبَ عَنْكُمْ مُرِجِسَ أَهْلَ الْبَيْتِ وَيُطَهِرَكُمْ تَطْهِرًا So when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala comes to that part, so now all of a sudden, according to the Shia, according to the Rafidiyah, According to the Isna Ashariya, when Allah Azza wa Jal comes to this part, now Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is speaking about Ahlul Bayt and not the wives of the Prophet So it doesn't make sense. Grammatically, it doesn't even make sense. Because if Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is speaking about the wives, as we will see a bit later, there are three or four verses here, where Allah speaks about the wives, but when it comes to this verse, or to the part of the end of this verse, now he changes just to the Ahlul Bayt. Does not make sense. Imam Ibn Qayyim rahimahullahu ta'ala, he says, the correct statement is that charity is prohibited even on the wives of Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, as the same is the opinion of Imam Ahmad ibn Hanbal, because this is the impurity of people's property, and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, Allah azza wa jal, has kept the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, and his family, his al, protected from this impurities. So as I mentioned, it is however strange, it is a strange fact that the wives of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam are considered part of the family of Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Listen carefully. They are considered part of his family when it comes to the minimum sustenance. Meaning, Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam he never always had food in his house. There are many narrations, there are many traditions where the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam or his wives would narrate that the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam would go for days without eating. So who's included in this? Is that his wives also suffered as well. How could it be possible that the husband, the head of the household, is not eating for a few days but the family is eating? doesn't make sense which means that Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam's wives as well they were also eating a minimum amount of food a few weeks ago what happened we made what is known as udhiyah as kurbani correct and as we know the prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam when he slaughtered he slaughtered on his behalf and on the behalf of his ahl, of his al, of his family. So who does that include? It includes his wives. When we slaughter as well, the father of the house, he, he slaughters for his entire family, including his wife. The husband slaughters, and when he slaughters, this is for the whole household, including his wife. We also find that sending salutations in the Salah, as we will look at a bit later, we send salutations upon the family, including the wives of Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam.
So now we understand that they are included into the family, the Ahlul Bayt of Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. And as we mentioned, the charity, sadaqah, is an impurity of people's wealth and the pious wives of the Prophet, peace be upon him, are far removed and protected from this. The next point, the word Ahlul Bayt. Scholars have presented three different views about the intended meanings of this phrase and especially when we come to the term Ahl is added to the word Bayt. It's two separate words. Ahl and Bayt. Ahl means family, Bayt means what? House, mashallah. Number one, it includes all those who have kinship or a strong relationship with the person, owner of the house or the house itself. So a strong relationship with the owner of the house. Number two, it exclusively, or it shows us and teaches us that it only means the wives of the owner of the house. Number three, it exclusively only shows us and teaches us that it refers to the children of the owner of the house. The latter two opinions, number two and number three, are uncommon and contradicting to the text of the Quran and the Sunnah of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam. The next point, there's an Arabic word or there's a word used in certain ahadith which is known as Al-Itrah. Ayn Ta-Ra at the end. So at times this word Al-Itrah is used as a synonym in place of the words Ahlul Bayt. But with some variation in the meaning as the word Al-Itrah means the kinship, kinship of a man and his origin. So if we say the itra of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam, then it means the Banu Hashim. And it only means the Banu Hashim. Al-itra of Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam only means the Banu Hashim. So consequently we cannot say about the wives of the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam that they are from what? So now we've established that they are from the Ahlul Bayt. But here, they are not from his Itra. So why have I brought this? I've brought this because the Shia, they will use these Ahadith that mentions Itra and they will say, can you see? This itra is only referring to who? To when it refers to the itra of Muhammad to Banu Hashim. His wives were not from Banu Hashim, so that makes him not from the Ahlul Bayt. So you see the tanaqud, the contradiction that they have. The contradiction that they have is that they try to play. They try to play with the ahadith of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa they try not to just play with the ahadith, they try to play with the ayat of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, Rabbul Izzati wal Jalal. So the wives, we can conclude by saying they are part of the Ahlul Bayt. But when it comes to the itra, so now we understand, this is exclusively when we mention Muhammad Rasulullah and his itra, then it refers to Banu Hashim and solely to Banu Hashim and Allah knows best. The next point, the Aqeedah of Ahlu Sunnah wal Jama'ah, the Aqeedah of Ahlu Sunnah wal Jama'ah, or Ahlu Hadith, or Ahlu Athar, or in our times, what they call the Salafiyyah, or in a derogatory term, the Wahhabis. Right? So what is the Aqeedah of Ahlu Sunnah wal Jama'ah regarding the Ahlul Bayt? The Aqeedah of Ahlul Sunnah wal Jama'ah, and this is our Aqeedah, regarding the Ahlul Bayt, 
is in between two extremes. We do not go to the far right, nor do we go to the far left. And as we know, this verse is oft quoted. وَجَعَلْنَاكُمْ أُمَّةً وَسَطَ But indeed we have made you a nation in the middle. We've not made you a nation of extremism. And as we will see a bit later when we touch on ghulu, when we touch on extremism. So the one side, they exaggerate the status of the Ahlul Bayt. And on the other side, we find that they belittle and they show no love to the Ahlul Bayt. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, He says, فَإِذَا نُفِخَ فِي السُّورِ that when the trumpet is blown, then what happens? There will be no kinship amongst them on that day, nor will they ask of one another. So this shows us something important. That on that day, and this is referring to the day of Qiyamah, that on the day of Qiyamah, we will find that our lineage and our kinship is not going to help us. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, يَوْمَ يَفِرُ الْمَرْءُ مِنْ أَخِيهِ وَأُمِّهِ وَأَبِيهِ وَصَاحِبَتِهِ وَبَنِهِ That on that day, يَوْمَ يَفِرُ الْمَرْءُ مِنْ أَخِيهِ That a person is going to flee from his brother. وَأُمِّهِ وَأَبِيهِ and you're not, your parents has nothing to do with you and you have nothing to do with your parents on that day. Every man and every female for themselves. Why am I mentioning this? I'm mentioning this because certain groups, certain sects, they promote this type of thinking. They promote this type of ideologies where they say no that certain lineage because you have the lineage linked to this person and to that person it's going to save you it's not going to save you the prophet sallallahu own uncle he died on disbelief he died on kufr but rather allah subhanahu wa ta'ala he commands us to hasten to forgiveness and he commands us to do good deeds. وَسَارِعُوا إِلَى مَغْفِرَةٍ مِّن رَبِّكُمْ And go forth and march forth in the way of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And this will lead to forgiveness. From who? From Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And know that for paradise is as wide as are the heavens and the earth. And this is prepared for who? U'iddat lil muttaqin. This is prepared for the people who have taqwa. So in order to get the blessings of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, in order to enter into Jannah, it's not your lineage. It's not who your father was and your grandfather was. But rather it is doing good deeds, seeking the forgiveness from Allah, and what will happen to them? They will enter paradise, which is prepared for the believers. Amr ibn As, he narrates, and he says, that I heard the messenger of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala saying openly, and not secretly, the family of Abu so and so, yani, Talib are not and listen carefully to the words of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam they are not my protectors Amr Ni'as he said that there was a blank space in the book of Muhammad ibn Ja'far he added my protector is Allah azza wa jal and the righteous believing people Amr ibn As added, I heard the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam saying, but they, that family, have kinship rahim with me, and I will be good to them. So this hadith shows us, the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam is saying, 
that they are my family and we have silatu rahim we have joining family ties so I will be good to them but as for them being my mawla then know that Allah is my mawla Allah is my protector and I'm not going to rely on them for protection Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says Ya ayyuhan nabi O Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam kulli azwajika say to your wives if you desire the life of this world and its glitter then come I will make a provision for you and set you free in a good manner meaning sarahan jamila that I will set you free meaning I will divorce you now take note this is verse 29, 28 of Suratul Ahzab. The Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, who is he addressing? He's addressing his kulli azwajika. He's addressing his wives, the ummahatul mu'minin. And this is a lesson for our mothers as well, and our wives as well. That if you are seeking this dunya, and this glitters of this dunya, then don't seek this. But rather seek Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Seek His reward. Seek His countenance. And if you find that your family, you find that your husband is struggling, you find that there's not a lot of money, then don't try to persist to have the glitters and the glamours of this dunya. As we know, this dunya is just but a place that will perish. But the akhirah is something that will remain forever. And then the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam in verse 29, he says, O oh Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala now, tells us in Surah Ahzab, verse 29, But if you desire Allah azza wa jal, and his messenger sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, and the home of the year after, then indeed Allah has prepared for what? Allah has prepared for al-muhsinat, the good doers amongst you, an enormous reward. Now verse number 30. Ya nisa an-nabi. O wives of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, whoever of you commits an opal, open illegal sexual intercourse yani zina the torment for her will be doubled this is for who? a wise of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam and that is ever easy for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala as we know Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala he does as he wills and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala can do whatever he wills the next verse verse number 31 and whosoever of you is obedient to Allah and His Messenger and does righteous deeds, we shall give her her reward twice. Double reward. And we have prepared for her rizqan karima. The next verse, verse number 32. Ya Nisa an Nabi. Again addressing the wives of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam O wives of the Prophet you are not like any other woman they are our mothers ummahatul mu'minin if you keep your duty to Allah then be not soft in speech lest he whose heart has a disease so someone one might have a disease in his heart of nifaq, of hypocrisy. So what this verse means is that don't speak to a strange man in yani like a seductive way. Do not speak to them with a soft way because it might be that he has a disease, not you, that he has a disease in his heart and things might go through his mind. Thoughts might run through his brain. 
So in order to protect yourself, to not speak in a manner that will cause thoughts in his mind. Should be moved, yani, so whose heart is a disease should be moved with desire, but speak in an honorable manner. So you're not saying that they must scream, not saying they must speak harsh, but speak in a normal tone. Taib, the next verse. And this verse, we quoted on earlier. So from verse number 28 to verse number 32, and I'm going to come to verse number 33, who is Allah speaking about? The wives of the Prophet so now Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says وَقَرْنَ فِي بُيُوتِكُنَّ And we quoted the verse earlier. The end of the verse إِنَّمَا يُرِيدُ اللَّهُ لِيُذِيبَ عَنْكُمْ مُرِجِسَ أَهْلَ الْبَيْتِ وَيُطَهِرَكُمْ تَوْطِهِرًا So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala He only wishes to remove the ridges. So now, as I mentioned earlier, who is this referring to? To the wives of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. So you can't just take this part out and say no. So verse number 28, verse number 29, verse number 30, verse number 31, verse number 32 speaks about the wives of the Prophet Verse number 33, it starts, they say no, the start is for that. But now towards the end of the verse, when it speaks about the members of the family of Muhammad wasallam, now what happens? Now it's referring to the Ahlul Bayt and not to the wives. This is absurd. This does not make sense. Then verse number 34. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, And remember, O you the members of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam's family, the graces of your Lord, that which is recited in your houses of the verses of Allah and hikmah. And glorifies his praises that indeed Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is the ever most courteous, the well acquainted with all things. Now let us look at one or two ahadith. Wasila bin al Asqa reported that I heard the Prophet saying, Indeed Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala granted eminence to Kinana say tribe from amongst the descendants of Ismail and he granted eminence to the Quraysh amongst Kinana and he granted eminence to Banu Hashim amongst the Quraysh and he granted me eminence from the tribe of Banu Hashim Aisha radiallahu anha the youngest wife of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. She reported that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's messenger went out one morning wearing a striped cloak of black camel's hair that they came Hassan ibn Ali. Hassan ibn Ali was who? The grandson of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. He was the older brother of who? Hussein radiallahu anhu. And their parents were Fatima and Ali. May Allah be pleased with both of them. He wraps him under it. So yani we can say it was like a shawl. He wraps it under him. And then who comes out? Hussein radiallahu anhu. He wraps Hussein as well. And then who comes out? Their mother, Fatima. And he took her under it as well. And then who comes out? Their father, Ali radiallahu And then he says that Allah only desires to take away any ridges from them. إِنَّمَا يُرِيدُ اللَّهُ لِيُذِبَ عَنْكُمْ مُرِجَسَ أَهْلَ الْبَيْتِ وَيُطَهِرَكُمْ تَوْطِيرًا O people of the household and purify yourselves. I would like to highlight something, right? And that is the following. 
the Shia today, right? The Shia today, the Isna Asharia, the Rafidiya, who do they curse? Aisha radiallahu anha. Who is narrating this hadith? Aisha radiallahu anha. If Aisha radiallahu anha had an issue with the Ahlul Bayt, with the family, with Hassan, with Hussein, with Fatima, with Ali, why would she narrate this hadith? She could have not narrated it. She could have kept it one side. But she narrates this hadith. So the story of the cloak and the hadith of Mubahala does not mean that they are the only members of the Ahlul Bayt. But rather it means that they are Awla. And what does Awla mean? That they have what? Naam. Awla. Yes? <laughs> Sorry? Now talk? Yes? Right, that they have a higher rank. Doesn't mean what the Shias are saying today. Does not mean this. But it means that they just have a higher rank than other people. And this, Yani, is this not common in everyday life? You have a company. And in the company you have people that belongs to this company. But what do you have on top? Directors, CEOs. And then you have maybe a manager now. Then you have people that works under the manager. And then you have people that cleans the place. Then you have people, the security. But are they all part of the company? The answer is yes. But the CEO, does he have more say? Or does the cleaner have more say? Who? The CEO. So like that, right? and we do not compare the companions and the Ahlul Bayt to anything, but just yani, as an example. Everyone forms this company, but there are people that have higher ranks than others. And this brings me to my next point. And the next point is loving the Ahlul Bayt. Loving the family of the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam its manifestation and ways to get to this love. Number one, mentioning their virtues, their morals, and their Islamic rights. If you speak about the virtues, for example, you heard last night the virtues of the Sahaba. This creates love, correct? If you speak about something good of someone, you know, someone comes and you speak, no, mashallah, is a good brother, you know, he's in the masjid five times a day, and you don't know him. Are you going to think bad of this person or are you going to think good about him? You're going to think good about him. So like that, and you will start to love him as your Muslim brother because he's known as a pious person. Then also you need to study the, and see the models that they had. And also, where do they fit in with regards to Islam? The narrations covering the virtues of the Ahlul Bayt are recorded in the most authentic books of Ahadith. Starting by Imam Al-Bukhari and ending with those lesser in authenticity. So if one were to open Bukhari and one were to open Muslim, or the Jami of Imam At-Tirmidhi, rahimahullahu ta'ala ajma'een, for example, then one will definitely find chapters that deals with Ali ibn Abi Talib, that deals with Hassan radiallahu an, that deals with Hussein radiallahu an, that deals with Fatima radiallahu anha, that deals with Abbas, or Abdullah ibn Abbas, or Ja'far ibn Abi Talib, or the Ummahatul Mu'mini, or anyone else or others amongst the Ahlul Bayt. Furthermore, 
There are so many works compiled by the scholars in connection with the Ahlul Bayt. For example, Imam Ahmad has one, right? The Fadail of the Sahaba. You will find that these books with regards to the Manaqib of Ali radiallahu anhu. You will find these books on the biography of Hassan and Hussein radiallahu anhumah. You will find that these, almost like an encyclopedia which is known as Seer Alain Nubala from Imam Al-Zahabi rahimallahu ta'ala that discusses the companions of Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam and the tabi'een and the bau tabi'een the history and the last two volumes deals with the seerah of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam you will find a book Al-Isaba the tabi'ees is sahaba that deals with all the companions of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam and just recently there is an encyclopedia about a seven volume book that came out it's still it's not translated in the Arabic language and this entire set this entire set deals with Fatima radiallahu anha all the ahadith she narrated it deals also with a biography it deals with certain shubuhat it deals with certain issues that the enemies of Islam and including the Shia and others that they brought up for example that Umar radiallahu an kicked the door of Fatima radiallahu anha and then she lost her baby etc it deals with all these things and these are all by ulama of Ahlu Sunnah wal Jama'ah point number two the prayer upon the Ahlul Bayt in the Salatu Ibrahimiyah. And this is in the last raka'ah of our Salah. Allahumma salli ala Muhammad wa ala Ali Muhammad. So who's this Al? Referring to the Ahlul Bayt of Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Number three. The declaration on the obligation to love the Ahlul Bayt along with knowing their rights without extremism or being negligent towards them. Towards the Ahlul Bayt of the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam people have been divided into a few categories between exceeding the proper bounds and negligence and the straight path. The first group those who have exceeded the proper bounds in terms of the Ahlul Bayt's rights. These are who are rude to them and they've treated them unjustly. The second group, those who went far in their love, going beyond the proper Islamic limits, they in and went to extremes towards the Ahlul Bayt. Going to such extremes that they've basically given certain members of the Ahlul Bayt what? What do you think they've given them? Now, excellent. Right? They've taken certain members of the Ahlul Bayt and they've even made them billah on the level of Allah Azza wa And this is why the study of Aqidah is so important. This is why the focus of Tawheed is so important. Because what happens? In our society today, you'll find people that's apparently learned that will tell you, but why do you still teach, teach people Aqidah? People don't need to know Tawheed. So long they say, La ilaha illallah, then everything is sorted. But then when you ask them, to explain what La ilaha illallah means, then you hear an answer like, there's no God but Allah. And this is incorrect. As La ilaha illallah, La ma'abud bi haq illallah. That none 
right as the right to be ahsan none has the right to be worshipped except who Allahu Azza wa Jal there is no God but Allah someone can still have a false God but none has the right to be worshipped that excludes all these false gods because now worship is for who it is for Allah Azza wa Jal alone the third category and this is the moderate this is Ahlu Sunnah wal Jama'ah they have abandoned the way of Ghulu and they have taken the middle ground Muhammad Sadiq Hassan Khan he says this love for them is wajib the love for the Ahlul Bayt it is wajib and it is enjoined upon every single individual of the Muslim Ummah and whosoever is withheld from it he has indeed been excluded from a lot of good for indeed and now he says that indeed the truth is between Al-Jafa Wal-Hulu the next point Sheikh Muhammad Salih Ibn Uthaymin Rahimallahu Ta'ala he says from the principles of Ahlu Sunnah Wal Jama'ah is that they indeed love the Ahlul Bayt of the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam they love them for their belief and for being relatives to Muhammad Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam and never hate them point number four the concern of the lineage of Ahlul Bayt and harshness towards those who claim to be of Ahlul Bayt Islam is concerned about the maintenance of lineage right we are concerned about this if you look at the time of the Prophet even before right pre-Islam you look at the Quraysh you look at these different tribes they could rattle their lineage off and I'm not just talking like how we have today right you ask someone who are you he says I'm right Ibrahim Ibn Fulan Ibn Fulan I'm the son of and he can say his father and he can say his grandfather and then we stop right if we're lucky then generally maybe go to great grandfather but it stops there but even pre-Islam they could rattle the lineage right up to such an extent that even in Islam they would have the lineage of what? of the horses right they can trace a horse back right up to where the horse came from so they had this love and this is something good you need to know your lineage it's important where do you come from? something important and Islam also teaches us to preserve it from confusion and consider that a claim of a man that he might come with and say that I am the son of so and so or I am the family of so and so so this is why lineage is important the honoring of the companions and those who trace their ways back to the Ahlul Bayt right Imam al-Bukhari and Imam Muslim from the mothers of the believers Aisha radiallahu anha she says that Abu Bakr radiallahu an that Abu Bakr radiallahu an said by whom is by whom the hand is my soul is in the kinship of Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam the Ahlul Bayt of Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam is more beloved to me than to maintain close relations with some of my own family the family of Muhammad not Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam but his family is more beloved to Abu Bakr radiallahu an than he is some of his own family 
One day Abu Bakr radiallahu anhu is walking in Medina and he sees either Hassan or Hussein, one of them. And this narration is in the Musanaf of Ibn Abi Shaiba. So he sees one of them and he smiles at them. But Ali radiallahu anhu is there as well. And he says to them, to one of them, that you have the features of Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, your grandfather. And then he looks at Ali radiallahu and he laughs. And he says to Ali that he doesn't look like you. He resembles his grandfather. And Ali radiallahu laughs as well. So this was the love that Abu Bakr radiallahu had. Not the picture that we see today. Not the picture that has been painted in the books of the Shia, in the books of the Rafidis, in the books of the Ithna Ashara. Ithna Ashariya. Not this type of picture. Umar ibn Khattab. He says to Al-Abbas, the uncle of Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, Take your time, O Abbas. Thus by Allah, your Islam and the day you became a Muslim is more beloved to me than the Islam of... And then he refers to Al-Khattab, his father. If he became a Muslim. So your Islam is more beloved to me than the Islam of my own father. And there is nothing on me saying that except that I knew that your Islam was more beloved to Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa So this was the love. And again, as I mentioned earlier, religion is given preference over lineage, stating the merits of Ahlul Bayt and praising the Ahlul Bayt does not mean that favoring them in general and in all conditions and over all people and amongst them or amongst the individuals there might be those who are better than some individuals from Banu Hashim being more pious and fear Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam he tells us and he informs us of a very important hadith and this is iyakum wal ghulu beware of exaggeration beware of ghulu fiddin in religious matters for those who came before you were doomed because of ghulu fiddin because of exaggeration in religious matters this is found in the Sunan of Ibn Majah. So what is ghulu? In Lisanul Arab, which is an Arabic dictionary, they say that ghulu means, and this is what you will find if you go look in a dictionary, the linguistic. He went beyond its limits. So Fulan went beyond his limits. Ziyad writes to Imam Ahmad ibn Hanbal asking the Imam about the hadith of Ghulu, beware of Ghulu, and what is the meaning of exaggeration. Imam Ahmad then says, when one exceeds the proper limits in everything, in love and hatred. I will repeat this. When one exceeds the proper limits in everything, in love and hatred. Ibn Qayyim rahimallahu ta'ala, he says, in that which Allah commanded the devil has two tendencies either towards negligence or towards exaggeration now think about this 
The devil, what does he do? He either makes you neglect something, right? So he puts in you, don't make salah, you know, it's all right. So you don't need to make the word, you know, stuff like that. You must give you zakah. No, man, but if you give zakah, you're going to get poor. So now it's, yani, naqs, or negligence. Or you become what? You can exaggerate. He makes you exaggerate. And again, you look at certain deviant groups. Then you see how shaitan has influenced them in such a way that this exaggeration, wa'na'udhu billah, has gone past the limit of the sky. You see this. It's happening. And it's not something far-fetched. It's not only in certain countries. You see it in our own community. You see it today. That you will find certain people coming with certain ideologies or certain practices that was not found in the community. Then you will see another person that maybe is involved in... Right? So as we know, bid'ah, they, they have different levels of bid'ah. Right? This... Bid'ah, for example, you get bid'ah that's mukaffara, takes you out of the fold of Islam, and you get bid'ah that is just a sin that you will get punished for. But then you find somebody is busy with a small bid'ah, but he, then he sees what has come in, into the community, and then he says, now die is bid'ah, right? He'll tell you, now die, we never grew up like this. And there's so many examples around us, in our communities, that a few years ago, for example, you never saw certain practices that is attached to a group from Yemen, known as the Ba'alawis. And a lot of these practices weren't practiced in our community. But you find that today, and you find people that are supposed to be learned, that is latching onto this and calling to this deviance. And how do they get to where they are? Through exaggeration. Through hulu. Because this is a Sayyid and he's a Sayyid of this one and he's related to this one and his lineage goes up to a companion or to the Ahlul Bayt, etc. So now we need to venerate him. And this is a problem. If one goes to... Right, we're nearly done. If one goes to Surah... 29 Jews, Surah 2, Nuh. Right? Where Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala speaks about the five pious people in the time of Nabi Nuh. And then? Five of them. Go to Ibn Kathir. There's an English version, you can check it on the internet as well if you don't have it. Read the tafsir of this. And it will explain to you how shirk starts. And then you look at what's happening in society today. And then you see how this effect is going to affect them and where they're going to end up. So again, shaitan, he comes either with make you neglect something or to exaggerate. And then he goes on and he says, Whereas the religion of Allah is the middle between the one who abandons it and the one who is extreme. Like the river between two mountains and the guidance between two deceptions and the middle between two edges. As the one who abandons the affair, he is wasting it. And the extremist is likewise. The former by neglecting the limit and the former by exceeding in it. The scholars have determined that the truth in between right, these two points is what? That the truth is in between the two extremes. Those that show hatred and those that go into exaggeration. So we ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala through his divine names and attributes to guide and protect us. We ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to make us of those that truly loves the Ahlul Bayt of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. That we truly honor them. And by loving the Ahlul Bayt 
is following the Quran and the Sunnah of the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam as he taught his companions, as he taught his family. And bi Taala, we will end on this note. We ask Allah subhanahu wa taala if there's any shortcomings, and that is from myself. And if there was, or before we get to the next point, that know that the Prophet sallallahu that Allah azza wa jalla and the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam is free of that. And if there was any good from this, then this is only from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Subhanakallahumma wa bihamdik. Ashadu an la ilaha illa. Astawfiruka wa atubu ilayk. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.